welcome to Ed Leader with your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Join Dr. Jackson for conversations and reflections on improving educational leadership from the classroom to the boardroom and beyond. Educational leadership is an ever-evolving opportunity to make a real and lasting difference in the lives of students, parents, and the community. And now, here's your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Hi friends, welcome to our second episode of Ed Leader. I'm your host, Rob Jackson, and I want to thank you for the tremendous outpouring of support and praise for our introductory episode. Today I'm going to sit down with an incredible Ed Leader who has just been named the Regional Principal of the Year. We're going to talk about early childhood education, school as a happy place, the importance of talking about high school graduation even in elementary school, and hear the very first Ed Leader podcast inbox scenario. Let's get to it. I'm sitting with an educational leader who has absolutely made a difference in countless lives over a long career. She received her national board certification. Her school selected her as their teacher of the year. Her colleagues four times have selected her as the principal of the year. Just recently, she was named as the 2020 Northeast Regional Principal of the Year and will be competing for the title of State Principal of the Year in the coming weeks. She's a former teacher, a former assistant principal, a former director of curriculum and instruction, a former high school principal, a current elementary school principal. She's my friend. Her name is Miss Sheila Evans. Welcome, Sheila. Thank you, sir. Sheila, I am so excited to be able to sit and talk with you and just have a conversation. Recently, during the announcement that you were going to be our 2020 Northeast Regional Principal of the Year, which, by the way, congratulations. Very proud of you. The current state principal of the year actually made that announcement in front of all of the students Mm -hmm. and your teachers, family members, lots of local dignitaries. But as he was introducing you or getting ready to make that announcement, he said that you're someone who helps bring magic out of students. Talk about that, bringing magic out of students. Why do you do what you do? What is it that you spend your day doing as an educational leader? I always tell people that I love what I do and I love going to work every day. And with my teachers, I tell them that if you can't say, oh boy, I'm going to school today, when you look in the mirror every morning, that maybe it's time to do something different. So I hope that I inspire that in them and then that they take that into the classroom and pull out every little thing that they could from those students so that they could learn. Oh, boy, I'm going to school today. (laughs) And you know they do say that. Yes, they do, and it's written on every mirror in our um, uh, school as well, (laughs) in every bathroom. See, that reminder, that structural context, this is the happiest place in our county. So speaking of that, I I kind of gave it away a little bit. Your school has a hashtag you use on Mm -hmm. Twitter and on email and other places. What is that hashtag? It is Hashtag the happiest place in Chowan County. The happiest place in mm-hmm. Chowan County. What makes it the happiest place? People love to be there, and our kids love being there, and we love on them while they're there. Um, I didn't coin that, though. That came from a former teacher the first year that I went into the building, meeting with everybody through the summer. And um, through her tears of me coming in, she was scared to death that I was coming, but she said, and this is the happiest place. 
So she told you as you walked in the door, you were coming into the happiest yes. place. Yes. Was she was she right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I work every day to make sure it stays that way. There you go. Well, I tell you, when you walk into the building, and the building is White Oak Elementary School, when you walk into White Oak Elementary School, it feels like the happiest yes. place. What are the things that you do to make it feel that way? It's what the people in the building do, not just me. Mm-hmm. One of the things is just as you walk in, it's the atmosphere that's around. There should be music playing in the foyer. Some days we forget it. We get so busy. And I'll <laughs> knock on the window to my secretary as I'm walking down the hall and say, music, and she'll turn it on. But it's also how the hallways are painted, kid-friendly murals. One that we're really proud of is the graduation mural, where we stop and teach our students what it means to graduate from high school. You knew I would ask you about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. We love it. So we're teaching four, five, and six, seven-year-olds that they should be working towards high school graduation. And on that mural, it talks about their their journey through mm-hmm. our school system. You know, and thinking about that mural and to describe it a little bit for our listeners who may not have been at White Oak Elementary School, and you mentioned the, the two, they look like graduates at mm-hmm. the top of the hill. The name of the high school is there. But what are the, the signposts that they pass along the path? So we start, obviously, at White Oak Elementary. Mm-hmm. And that's in Edenton, North Carolina. I need to tell you that because there's several <laughs> White Oaks in North Carolina. And beyond, I'm sure. Yes, probably so, but ours is the best. (laughs) The happiest place. Absolutely. Then they'll journey in grades three through five to D.F. Walker Elementary, grades six through eight at Chowan Middle School. And then the final signpost is Johnny Hunts High School, nine through 12. So they'll matriculate through all four schools towards graduation. And that conversation and that daily visual reminder that this is the journey they're on and they will succeed is so powerful, I think. Absolutely. And recently, you know, speaking of that, the physical education teacher kind of took that and ran with mm. it with the, with her display in the gym. Share with us about the display in the gym that the physical education teacher has. Yeah. Up in the rafters almost, there is a uniform from each sports team at, at the high school. And she's gathering from the sports teams at the middle school. And then she has a graduation game as well. And so she teaches them that one of the goals that they could have for themselves is to continue and organize sports once they hit sixth grade in our community, that all of that too will lead towards graduation. I absolutely love it. You know, one of the things that that I'm proud of in our school system is the growth of our cohort graduation rate. You served as our high school principal for a season and did an amazing job Mm -hmm. there. As you think about that growth of that cohort graduation rate, 78.9%, 78.9%, I believe, to 916 this yes. past year. And now you're serving with our youngest students. Mm-hmm. You're kind of talking about it, but what is it that you're doing to help improve the graduation rate, grades pre-K through second grade? Right. For a child to have the vision of gra- uh, to be a graduate is one piece. And I know that in my long career, that is not something that we focused on as much in the early grades. So making sure that they know what that is and that they can capture that vision for themselves. We talk about it every morning on our morning news as well, that we have a chant. And part of that chant says that they're going to graduate from high school. You mentioned the announcement of the regional principal of the year status a few weeks ago. And that state principal of the year said, you want to get to the high school because he's a high school principal. But I wanted to stand up and say, no, it's not just about getting to the high school. It is about graduating absolutely, and moving on, whatever they want to do, military, 
go into a career, two-year school, four-year school, whatever they want to do. It's about getting to the high school, but it's about finishing and finishing in four years. So we're teaching our students right now what that means. Absolutely. Yeah. That speaking it into existence and really kind of, as you said, setting that vision for them. I believe. I believe. believe. Hashtag (laughs) I believe and I believe in you. Absolutely. So I'd like to kind of talk about for a few moments, Sheila, as you approached the work at White Oak Elementary School, Mm -hmm. I believe about five and a half years ago, Mm -hmm. is that right? You really had a passion and have developed a passion and really grown that passion and grown the work around early childhood. Yes. And particularly with your career, you've worked at every level, literally, Mm -hmm. elementary, middle, and high school. Mm -hmm. And now you're spending a lot of time working on birth through four, Mm -hmm. really kind of pre-pre-K work. Why is that so important to you? Why are you so passionate about working with the youngest children in our county? Well, it goes back to the data. When I arrived at the pre-K-2 school and I was looking at the data, I found that our kindergarten kids entering were not successful, if you will, on beginning of year data. It's twofold what was happening. One is that we were only looking at one data point, and that was literacy. So that was kind of eye-opening because of looking at the whole child, if you will, and all the data points that we need to be, or at least more than the one data point. So we were having kids enter about, when you look at any particular class of Right, 14 to 20 percent of the children were quote unquote ready for kindergarten. So that was alarming because if they're not ready in kindergarten and we're playing catch up, you know, the likelihood that they would graduate is less than if they were coming in ready for kindergarten. So that work started well before I came to White at School back in 2012. We had a transformation zone grant for our community. The goal was to have 50 percent of the children ready for kindergarten by 2018 from that one data point. In the midst of that, I come on board and we start looking at several data points. So we're looking at language, we're looking at gross motor skills, fine motor skills, concepts, that kind of. We're also looking at where the children are prior to that four-year-old time period when they are registering for kindergarten, when they would be five. And what I find is it really depended in our community where you went to childcare or if you went to child care. And so working with Smart Start and several other agencies, we have really took upon ourselves to try to make our children have a better experience prior to coming into pre-K or kindergarten. And one of the things I find out is that if we could get more children into an organized pre-K situation, that their chance of being ready for kindergarten is higher in our community. So we have been very fortunate to expand pre-K. Economic Improvement Council received the Early Head Start grant, and they are able to serve children birth to three, and they're focusing in on three-year-olds. And we were able to move their four-year-old program and some of their three-year-old to our facility. So we actually are housing the Head Start four-year-old program and some of their three-year-olds, which is fabulous for us because our our children are getting used to what it means to be in a school setting and what's age appropriate for them. So we're doing it through play. Absolutely. And, And I just want to highlight again, 14%, based on that data point, 14% of -hmm. the incoming children ready for kindergarten. Right. I think you used the word alarming, and it is. And Mm -hmm. I think it's even more than that. 
It's astronomically alarming when we think about 14% of our children ready for kindergarten, backing that work up to pre-K and being able to use the data to illustrate that students who were in a high-quality program Mm -hmm. made a difference being ready for kindergarten. And then, of course, hopefully being ready for graduation and what lies beyond graduation. And we're not serving all the four-year-olds at White Oak Elementary, but we are serving the child cares that are housing the other four-year-olds. So through professional development, either offered by the school or by Smart Start, we're making sure that those teachers have the skill set to teach the four-year-olds what they need to know and be able to do for kindergarten. Through Smart Start, we've also put Letterland in every school, in every child care. We have put um, Story Explorer in every child care. We're working to put the Sanford Harmony curriculum in every child care. And we are researching what we might could do in the area of math tied to play so that we're really looking at several pieces of information and several curricular areas that the three-year-olds and four-year-olds would need to be exposed to. That's just so incredible. Actually taking curriculum to the child cares and Mm -hmm. training them on using that curriculum, Mm -hmm. knowing that In our case, all the students in the county will be coming to, if they're coming to a public school, will be coming to White Oak Elementary School, and then they have that equality of opportunity in terms of preparation. Huge. Uh, We'd like to do a five-year grant, if you will, from a gracious donor that I know is out there listening to us right now. Um, And it it would cost about $250,000. Sheila Evans. the, The monetary needs. But we would like to be able to ensure that we're serving every four-year-old in Chowan County, whether it's at White Oak Elementary or another setting. And we know that money is a hindrance for some families. The second piece is we'd like to put a mobile unit in our community, and that would focus in three areas. One, during the summertime, we provide a summer book bus, and it can serve children throughout the summer taking books to them. Secondly, we'd like to set it up as a pre-K classroom and that we would actually go to the child cares with a teacher on board who would then teach, if you will, a class and it would be professional development for the child care teacher, but it would also be learning those children who will be coming into our building and, and touching their lives. And then thirdly, and more recently, we would like to be able to offer a mobile unit that would provide mental health services or the kinds of things that are available in our community and actually take those people into the community at a predestined time and place where the community members could come on board and learn about the various kinds of agencies that can provide help in the area of mental health. Absolutely. And, you know, really thinking about taking resources to the community, Mm -hmm. that's where we have to be today. Yes. In your career, like my career, often when we have uh, evening events for parents, the parents that we see aren't really the parents we most Mm -hmm. need to see. Mm -hmm. And so going into the community becomes very important. I know that in my life, Sheila, I attended kindergarten. It was a blessing in my life that it was offered in the community because it wasn't offered through the public schools. I didn't have kindergarten. I attended it at a local Baptist church and Mm -hmm. was very happy to do so. Uh, Something that was important to my mom, though it may have been more about childcare than Mm -hmm. than kindergarten (laughs) at the time, quite frankly. But in our lifetime, in our working lifetime, kindergarten has become a part of the K-12 public school education. We can't imagine school without kindergarten being a part of it. I believe and you're about to say yes. the same thing, so you say it. <laughs> well, I think that um, we'll eventually see pre-K the same way. Absolutely. We'll have every four-year-old in North Carolina in a an established 
pre-K program? I, I think it's crucial for the success of our society, quite mm-hmm. frankly. We've seen the degradation of family. We've seen fewer and fewer families being involved in a faith-based community. We've seen fewer and fewer families being involved in some of the civic opportunities and schools are being called on to do more and more mm-hmm. in terms of preparing children for adult life. Yes. And so certainly pre-K becomes something that's important. And really, at some point, it may be, and this may be beyond our working lives, but at some point, I could see school systems being involved almost from birth in mm-hmm. terms of uh, informing parents and helping parents be prepared. Absolutely. Well, Sheila, I certainly have enjoyed our conversation. And if the listeners out there who wants to send $250,000 to White Oak Elementary School, I can promise you that you'll have all the data you need to be able to show that your money was well spent and making a difference. Yes. Now, that's for the five-year program. I need another $200,000 to put the mobile unit in place. So... Um, it would be great if there's somebody out there that can send us a half a million dollars. Half a million we'll dollars it. through yeah. the mail, online, yeah. credit card. We'll, we'll take, we'll it, take it all, right? <laughs> <laughs> You've got mail. Just when everything is going perfectly, someone makes a choice that lands squarely on your desk. What will you do and how will you handle it? It's time to check the inbox. Okay, Sheila. Inbox scenario. Here we go. Just quick answers. We're not looking for all the details. You are in your office. A teacher reaches out to you, contacts you, and says that a student's being defiant. Mm -hmm. And the student's going to be sent down to your office. Now, the student has never been in trouble before. Mm -hmm. No issues at all. Suddenly is being defiant and withdrawing into themselves. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that? Well, the first thing is I'm going to go to them. The whole idea of being sent to the office is not really how we do business, but they may eventually come to the office. But I'm going to go to the child and give support. And we're going to have a conversation. Usually there's a trigger that's happened that's not even in our building, but that teacher's reaching out because she needs help. She's got to teach the other 19, 20 in her classroom, and she knows that child needs some support. If I can provide it, I'm going to provide it. If not, I'm going to call on my counselor, sometimes even my custodian, my receptionist, whoever might need to to love on that child first and figure out why he or she is being defiant. And then we're going to put some supports in place depending on what they tell us. You know, many times we find out that mom or dad had a fight that evening before and they couldn't sleep and they just need to get on a cot and take a nap. We might find out they almost missed the bus, so they didn't get breakfast, and we need to feed them. Whatever it might be, we're going to take care of it. We're going to take care of that need so that they can get back into the classroom. And depending on how the teacher reacted will be depending on how I coach her through her next steps as well. We've read The Deepest Well by Nadine Burke Harris, and that has certainly opened our eyes, almost like Ruby Payne did so many years ago about poverty. So we, we refer back to that whole mentality of, What else is happening in this child's life and what else can we help take care of and help that child be resilient so they can be successful on the academic realm too? Well done. I want to come teach for you. Oh, yeah. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do appreciate it very much. Now, tell our listeners where they can follow you on Twitter. At Sheila Evans NC. At Sheila Evans NC. We Mm -hmm. certainly appreciate that. Sheila, thank you. Thank you, sir.
that you enjoyed my conversation with Regional Principal of the Year, Sheila Evans. She certainly gave us a lot to consider and reflect upon, particularly the importance of early childhood efforts as a way to ensure more students graduate from high school, college, career, and citizenship ready. Thank you again for your positive feedback. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share a comment on Twitter and tag the podcast at EdLeaderPod or myself at Dr. underscore Rob underscore Jackson, and I'll respond as well as we all try to grow our professional learning networks. Again, thank you. Have a great week and good day. Thank you for listening to the Ed Leader Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving a review with five stars on Apple Podcasts so that we may continue to grow the Ed Leader community. We hope that you have enjoyed your time with Dr. Jackson. Until next time.